the street is where we create. We call it suburbanpreneurship. Mixing big company resources with an entrepreneurial spirit. We're about pushing the pace, leaderhood, and making our mark. Electric people. What's up, electric people? It is Ty Williams. Uh, I'm excited to talk about David Nurse. This was a super fun episode. We were connected to David Nurse through Dave Meltzer, who's been on the show with us before. And he is a mindset and performance coach. He's a speaker, podcaster, a best-selling author, spent some time as a shooting coach for the Brooklyn Nets. He's one of our own, a kindred spirit. I'm really looking forward to you guys spending the next uh, few minutes of your day with David Nurse. The first question for you, uh, you have a, you have a really interesting career and I actually think a lot of people relate with your story because of the way it started. There's, there's a lot of people that, um, are in your, your industry where you speak and you produce content and you write books and you coach, but they don't often reveal the backstory, right? They don't often say like a lot of times the only thing you know about people is, Oh, you're just this great coach. But I love right on your website, right at the very beginning, you're like, I'm a kid from, uh, were you from Ohio? Iowa, the cornfields. Sorry, does everyone do that to you? You're from Iowa, yeah. Iowa, and then, Ohio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so my, my first question is, you know, how does a kid from a small town in Iowa with hopes to play in the NBA that eventually gets cut from the international team wind up being such an impactful force in personal development? Yeah, sure. So my whole life from the earliest age that I can remember was was about playing in the NBA. It's all I wanted to do. I would shoot hoops in the snow out in the driveway and like every waking hour was NBA, NBA. I was going to make it. I was definitely going to make it. Now my athletic ability and my six foot two height and vertical leap of about two inches would probably tell you differently. <laughs> so my parents, you know, they should have said, hey, David, check out this thing called golf or tennis. You got a better shot there. <laughs> but I love basketball, man. I poured everything into it. And I learned along the way that that's how I developed this, this never give up type of mentality. And I always had this outlook of like, well, if those people are doing it on TV, like, why can't I do it? Instead of saying, I was like, well, it's only for a select few, which it was, which it is. I mean, you have to have height and athleticism to get in. But I always had the mentality of, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I worked my way and uh, got to play college basketball at Western Illinois and then played professionally overseas. And, and what when I say overseas professionally, it sounds cool, but to be honest, it's more like the Will Ferrell semi-pro. The, 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 <laughs> where where did you play? What country were you in? I played in Australia and I okay. played in Greece and Spain. So Australia and Spain were second divisions. Greece was a first division because an American wasn't getting paid. So I went there for free to be able to get the opportunity. Yeah. So all this being said, like, I was still a good player and I was at that point where like I, I wasn't going to make the NBA, but I still thought in my heart I was good enough. Like mm -hmm. I thought when I'm playing overseas in Spain and at this moment after the first preseason game, you know, those moments when you just remember exactly where you are, they stick with you vividly, you can recall every detail. It was after the game, we walk out and it's in the Basque region to, of, of Spain, northern mountains, beautiful. And the coach calls me over and he says, David, you're not good enough. You can't cut it. We're sending you home after the first game. I'm still thinking I'm playing in the NBA here. Mm -hmm. but And now I get cut from this quote-unquote joke of a league. So all of my hopes, goals, and dreams and everything I poured into my life was taken away from me. It was gone. Like there was no other way. Was, I just got cut at the start of the season from a second division team. 
So it's like those moments you, you realize, hey, I, I poured my whole life into this. Now it's gone. So I'm living back on my parents' recliner chair. I'm feeling bad for myself, you know, licking my wounds for six months. And my mom would always say these, these motivational, inspirational quotes. And usually it was whatever, mom, in one ear, out the other ear. But she said this one, and, and it just hit me. She was doing dishes. I was kicked back in the chair. Remember this moment? She said, David, when one door closes, four open, and an entire beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. Caught me off guard because I've always heard one door, one door. Yeah, yeah. What he was saying is this door closing on your playing career is opening up four more doors, a greater opportunity to come. And it also told me, too, that that when a door closes, you don't have to wait for that next door to open up. You don't have to wait for that door to be given to you. You go find that door. You go use what you learned, what I learned through playing or putting in two a day's film study and how to have a high IQ in basketball to teach it to players, to coach. So that that hit me right there. That's my life pivot of I was going to coach in the NBA. Use everything that I thought was taken away from me was actually for gain for me to be able to teach these players who have more athleticism, seven foot height and God given ability to play in the NBA. So right then and there, I made it my mission that I was going to coach in the NBA. Now it's another journey of how that all happened and everything. Yeah. And we can get more to that, but that's well, I think the there's, I think there's two things there that are, that are interesting to me and tell me maybe if this resonates, but the, the mindset is interesting because, you know, I, I, I'll tell you this. So I grew up, I grew up rollerblading in the nineties. Did you grow up rollerblading in the nineties? can't rollerblade. <laughs> so, but here's the thing that I noticed was, um, when, when I would like watch the pros, right. I, I would see them do things. And in my head, subconsciously, I would say stuff like, okay, that's for the pros. So I could probably do like a smaller version of that. Now it's weird that I like recognize that because what is that? Like, there's no, re like now that I'm older and I actually like have met throughout my life, a lot of those same pros. And I just see it. They're just, of course, just normal guys. Right. But in my head, I'd like put this barrier between me and them where I'm like, okay, you have this pro title. I'm just a kid in Seattle. So you can do that trick on a handrail. I can do it on a curb. Right. But you didn't have that. You're talking about being from Iowa, coming up and just being like, your mindset didn't separate you from the pros at all. You're just, that, I think that's a really rare thing that, that attributes a lot to success where I self shackled myself and you didn't really, that's probably the only difference, right? Yeah. So it's, it's funny because it, I guess it's an incompetent confidence that I had, but you can also look at it as a double-edged sword. Like, is it better to have what you're talking about of these type of shackles that okay that's for the pros and you're able to get into your life of what you were called to do earlier on mm -hmm. uh, because sometimes there's the same thing that like and that, that's where the pivot like knowing when to pivot is so crucial there's no exact time there's no real framework of hey this is when you need to do it but there's also the point of the people that have this incompetent confidence over the top where they keep going at something where it's not their calling yeah you know i get that so, so it's a it's weighing it on the scale on one side yeah you want that type of uh, of mantra of i've always thought well well why not me not not yeah. not a most people think well why me like why do i deserve it and right. i flip the switch on okay it's a why not me but also there's a point of understanding too at a threshold of all right well this obviously isn't working this isn't what i was made to do now what can i learn from this what can i learn from what has been 
I guess, so taken away from me to lead me to what I'm actually put here on this earth by God to do. Yeah, I think your way is better still because the like, <laughs> as I've gotten older though, I've sh- I've shaken it. So I'm grateful that like I could see it. Like, but now it's like I've learned some some things. Like uh, me and my buddies are into downhill mountain biking now, and I watch downhill mountain biking videos, and I'm like, okay, I can do that. Like I've I've evolved over time. Now you gotta be careful because you don't want to hurl yourself off a mountain at 40 years old without those skills. But it's one of those things where like I recognize it. And I learn so much faster now. Like I develop in those sports so much faster because I literally don't think that there's anything that is being done that that it's not possible that I do. That doesn't mean I should be doing it. Right. But, um, the other thing that I was going to say that, that I thought was interesting about your situation is I've always believed that high performance in one arena uniquely qualifies you for the next, but props to your mom, because a lot of times you can't see what that next thing is, but it's weird because while you're doing two a days and while you're willing to like move overseas and be uncomfortable, like I've been a foreigner, it's hard. Like I've been in a place where, where they don't speak my language. It's hard. Right. And like just being willing to put yourself into that situation and like having the door that you thought you wanted to go through close. It's just crazy because if you, if you can self assess and look around mm-hmm. or essentially pivot and go plug, you can see yeah. like, Hey, you can see like, Oh, I'm uniquely qualified to do whatever is next. You know what I mean? Like you just don't realize sometimes that you're building yourself into a highly capable person when you're on that path, you know? Oh, totally. And I I like to use life as this analogy that it's a long hallway. While we're all walking down our own long hallway, there's doors on each side. You go into the first door, you learn something from that door. Okay, well, all right. Wanted to be an NBA player. I learned all this stuff. Okay, I'm out that now into the next door. Want to be an NBA coach, learn here. And you keep evolving and you keep learning. You don't just come into a door and you sit there and it's done. Like there's no fun in life of that at all. But it is this this continued growth process. And I think, honestly, like that's what's exciting. It's the exhilarating challenge of continuing to learn and continuing to grow. And it's it's also interesting because I often think about like, we are, me and you, everyone around us, we're just small blips on the credits of life. Like if you think mm-hmm. about all the names, like, okay, it's just so quick. And in a hundred years from now, no one's going to remember who we are. It's just, I mean, might sound kind of morbid, but they just won't. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. who my, I don't know the name of my great grandparents. Mm-hmm. We just, but it's also very freeing to be able to make you dangerous to be able to do whatever you want. Yeah. That's why like you, I, I agree. Like I, I, I think I can do anything. Like I'm putting together a show. I'm putting together, like, I don't think there's anything off the table of being able to be created. It's just, uh, okay, how bad do you want it? Okay, are you going to take the time to go reach out to the right people to make it happen? Like becoming a, a keynote speaker, writing books, like that was just something I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Let's make this happen. Yeah. And it's, it's not the, the, you know what, like it's, it's, it's freeing to know that we're playing with house money here. And I think that's what really makes us dangerous in life. That's one of my, it's one of my favorite definitions of the word creativity where, um, it, you know, it's essentially the, the, the melding or fusing of two unlike things, right? Like that's what a lot that's, of people will define it as. And it's like, if you think about like, think about a lot of like great restaurants or pe- like famous chefs, it's like this word fusion, right? They, they'll bring, Oh, let's mm-hmm. put these two things together. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. <clears throat> and that's essentially what you did is you, you got dealt this heavy blow and you just said, okay, 
how can I fuse this like personal development into I thought I was going into to, to playing. Now I'm going to go into coaching. So maybe tell us the story of becoming a coach at the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, totally. And I want to get back into the point you just said of welding two things together of of originals, because yeah. I, I, it is so important in this day and age when everybody is on Instagram putting on these motivational quote, everybody does the same exact thing, speaking the same language, just in a different way of how to stand out, how to be original. Original creates change. So I want to get back into that, but we'll get into the coaching. Well, dude, hey, take your t- you go down whichever road you like best, man. <laughs> well, this is gonna put me on a, a, a you know a, a pedestal of talking about how important it is to be original. And I mean, you just see like the things that are really successful and make change are the thing that are the people and the things that are different. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like you think about the the iPhone. No, no one's thinking about having that type of product around with them. Now we can't live without it. We literally feel naked without mm-hmm. it or any type of different show that, that takes off that, uh, what was that one where they were, it's kind of a brutal show. Why can't I remember that it was where they're killing a bunch games? of people. That's exactly it. You know why that's huge? Yeah. Because it's different. Uh-huh. It's not the same thing over and over again. People stand out and make change because they are different. So I want to like, people say, Hey, you want to be like, you want to be like Tony Robbins, motivational. I was like, yeah, that'd be great too. I know he's fantastic, but I'd rather be more like Mr. Rogers. Like he just completely changed mm. the, like made a whole new lane. Do yeah. something like that. Anthony Bourdain, something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you ever read uh, Seth Godin? Oh, love Seth Godin. Yeah. yeah. He's the man. Someday he's going to listen to my little show here and he's going to seek me out and want to talk. I, I've, I've seen him meet a couple times, but I always talk about Seth on the show because what he always says is we got a guy for that. We got a guy for that. Like, do you want to be Tony Robbins? No, we got a guy for that. His name's Tony Robbins. He's great. Right. But you know, and like the world already has that, but he also always says like, how dare you settle for less when the world has made it so easy for you to be excellent? Because think about it. Like, think about it. like you just, everybody has these experiences and these things that they're learning and there's no rules. You literally, especially now, like now more than ever, like you used to, you just said, Hey, I want to do a show. Well, you used to have to get broadcasting rights and have somebody like invest in you and like why you over somebody else. But now if you have that iPhone in your pocket, who's like, why not? You don't even need an internet connection. Barely. You know what I mean? Like you just boost it straight up through the ether and you've got a show, you know? Oh, totally. Like you can do whatever you want. My my next door neighbor is making millions as a YouTuber and TikToker. Like how, how does that happen? Millions. I don't know, but if you figure it out, let me know because that sounds a little bit easier than selling door to door. Maybe no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, but I do want to jump into the the part of, of coaching because I think this is yeah. a really important aspect for people to understand of of shooting your shot. I'm always big on just you shoot your shot. The worst that can happen is you're going to be in the same exact spot that you were. So I didn't have any connections to get into the NBA, so I hand wrote a letter to every NBA GM, and I didn't wow. get anything back for 90 days. And then I get a call from a Los Angeles area number and it is the GM of the Los Angeles Clippers, a general manager, Gary Sachs. And we have a, just a, a short, normal conversation. At the end of it, he says, if you're ever out in LA, look me up, we'll grab coffee. Okay, basically saying, good luck with the rest of your life, kid. But I took that as an opportunity. He said, if I'm in LA, look him up. So I booked a ticket to L.A. I spent all my money. I stole some of my parents' money to book a plane ticket to be in L.A. next week, that following week, acting like I had a basketball camp to do. So I didn't look desperate because I didn't want to put that pressure on him. You know, I just want to, hey, I'm in L.A. Yeah. Let, let's get together. 
prepared my butt off for the meeting. We have a great meeting. Every NBA connection stemmed from Gary Sachs, becoming really wow. close friends with the head coach of the Miami Heat and so many other connections from that. I end up living with Gary when I go out, when I move out to LA for six months. He's in my wedding when I get married. He becomes one of my closest friends because I took that shot. Like I could have just said, hey, well, I don't have any connections. So I'm just going to wait for the phone to ring. That yeah. phone is never going to ring. Yeah. You think the phone is going to, no one's thinking about you, thinking, man, can I? hire this guy who's can i help him yeah right no one is so you have to take that chance the worst that happened i'm at the same spot so i also knew that okay now i've got these connections and i was addicted to building relationships i love people i love relationships not the dirty networking type of term where people are using people or linkedin or trying to all that but i just genuinely love getting to know people and their stories so i would connect and at NBA Summer League where everybody was at. And I also knew I had to make myself the expert. So no one was just going to say, hey, David, like, uh, you know what? You said you'll outwork everybody. I'm going for you. It just doesn't work mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. Everybody's saying that. So all I could do was shoot. That was my skill. That was my God-given ability playing basketball. So I developed these shooting camps, right? This custom-made basketball from China, horrible leather, white line down the middle so you could see the rotation on it. Hey, let me let me interrupt you to, to give you a plug. You have two Guinness World Records for shooting. So this isn't just you saying, hey, I'm good at shooting. You have two certified world records for shooting. All right, you can go on with your story now, but I thought that was relevant to know. <laughs> if I had two world records, I'd find ways to fit it into conversations, you know? <laughs> you'll love it even more how those records happen. And I'll, I'll right. get to that point of this. So I make these basketballs like extremely horrible leather, but I, I get them sent out to the Oakland seaport. I jump in my car, drive 29 hours from Kansas City to Oakland, put them in my car, and I spend the next five years driving around the country doing basketball camps for anybody that'll take me in. Literally slept many nights in well-lit Walmart parking lots, crashed on friends' couches who I'd never met before, didn't even know I was their friend, like doing whatever it took to build up my shooting coach credibility. So as you said, the Guinness World Records, I figured, okay, now I really have to stand out here. I'm doing these camps, it's building, but what can be a home run spark? What can really solidify it? Like, okay, Guinness World Record. So I could shoot. So I get my friend to rebound and we go, the record on, on YouTube that we found was 19. So we shoot and shoot and shoot, we're going and going and I get 20, I have a video, I get 20 and I get 21. And I'm like, this is God, like, this is the record. Yeah. So actually, so I send it all over the place. ESPN ends up picking it up and they run it on ESPN. So it's starting to get all this pub and I put on there Guinness world record. Now, officially Guinness was never there. <laughs> yeah. Actually and then I did it for another one for five minutes, the same type of thing. And everybody's like, oh, Guinness world record. So actually like, I think it was about three years ago, I get an email from Guinness T telling me they're like hey, this record is not official in our books you're gonna have to do it with guinness people there yeah they have and to I be was, there to like certify it and like make sure that everything is legit right from like the spacing and yeah. the timing and all that kind of stuff yeah but all yeah. i needed was to hear that from them like <laughs> yeah if they're gonna seek me out like your record's not that means it mattered and yeah, no one else right. focus since there so anyways it was a way to generate some buzz and that so I do That's all these cool. shooting camps and I wake up five years later. So we fast forward five years. I'm in Melbourne, Australia, doing a basketball camp down there. And I have an email in my inbox that morning 
Brooklyn Nets shooting coach was a subject. I didn't have any connections in Brooklyn, so I figured it was a joke or some a spam message. But I click on it, check it out. That next week, I'm the shooting coach for the Brooklyn Nets. So five years in the making of getting there, I'd made it. And then there's a whole nother story about how, how a door closing opens up four more that we can continue to dive into. Oh, that's awesome. One of the things, um, do you know who Tom McCarthy is? He's, uh, he's yeah, also a good friend. Of, he's a good friend of Dave's. He used to work for Tony Robbins. He's, he just wrote this book called The Breakthrough yeah. Code, which is similar to, or like similar topic wow. to your most recent book. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. But one of the things that he always says is, I'm always in the right place at the right time. Like that's just like a mantra that he says that he believes. But if you if you look at life that way, I mean, that's kind of your story, you know? Totally. But I think to his credit, too, is you look at it that way that everything is perception and how you right. see things. Yeah. There's so many, like, I give the analogy of a, a hammer. A hammer is a great tool to build amazing, beautiful houses, right? If used in the correct way, if looked at the right way, a hammer is phenomenal. But it's also one of the most brutal murder weapons there is if used mm -hmm. the wrong way. Everything yeah. is perception. Yeah, that's great. So let's let's talk for a second about, um, about your most recent book. So it's called Breakthrough. Uh, so how do you, how do you define what a breakthrough is? And maybe if you have some like good stories, what are some of the most profound breakthroughs that you've seen or been a part of? Yeah, man. Phenomenal question. So breakthroughs, when you think about it, like, what is it? It's abstract. You can't really grasp it. It's these little happy accidents that happen, these strokes of luck. And you're like, great, that's cool. That was a breakthrough, but I have no idea how to recreate that. So I kind of went back and like all my years of working with NBA players and coaches and, and different people and figured out, okay, what are these people doing that are similar that are helping them become successful? So what is it? What is a guide? There's got to be a formula. There's got to be something that they're doing. And I broke it down into four areas. The first one. So everything leads to how, like, how do you do it? That's the answer to a breakthrough is how do you do it? I believe it all starts with who, who you are first. Mm, yeah. Before it starts with why, it starts with who. Who are yeah. you on the inside? Your confidence, your self-awareness. So confidence, people think, is about results, stats, resumes, accolades. It's not. That's a byproduct. Confidence is about fully understanding your identity, your self-awareness. If everything is taken away from you, are you still going to be okay? Do you base your joy on results or... Do you base it on who you are at the core? So one of the best stories and, and people that I've worked with in this aspect is Jeremy Lin. He's a really good friend of mine. And he went through a time. You're in friends with Lin Sanity? Lin Sanity is one of my closest friends. Yes. Listen, he's, man, he's, this is cool because yeah. I'm, I'm generally not like I don't I mean, I love the mindset of sports. I love listening to coaches and reading their books, but I do not follow sport. I don't like watch games and stuff, but I was all in on Jeremy Lin. Like when I learned about this guy, I'm like, you mean to tell me that he's just lighting the world up right now and everybody gets to like play the game with him. It was, it was such a cool thing. I remember feeling the energy of Jeremy Lin. So yeah, dude, he's, an, he's, he's amazing. Like as cool as that story is, he's an even better person. And I got to know him after that. And we talked a lot about that time. And if he was being honest, he would never want to go through that time again because his struggle was he was living in the what ifs. Instead of the appreciation for that mountaintop moment that he was in, he was living in, well, what if I can't keep this up? What will mm. people think of me? So he wasn't based in his self-awareness. His identity was based on being this 
basketball player who scored a lot of points and was doing really well. So once that stopped, once he's like that, that hot streak had to stop, he was feeling less of himself. He wasn't feeling confident. Like it was, it, it kind of went down It spiraled down. Well, dude, I can so imagine, what, right? Like, I mean, that was so like, he was everywhere, every magazine, every like sports show, every like highlight reel. And like, they were like counting down the days. I remember, I remember I had this streak once when I was uh, traveling and selling when I was in my Vivint Inc days, where I'd had a certain amount of years where I hadn't gone a day without a sale. It was like three and a half years that I just, every time I went out, I sold something. And I like, in a much smaller way, it was like, part of me was like, every, and when I visited teams, they were like, is it still going? Is it still going? And subconsciously, part of me was like, I hope I get a zero so this thing ends. It's like, I'm, I'm going so fast, I'm gonna crash, but you do kind of dread the end rather than enjoying the, not that I have a comparable story yeah. to him, but I know what that feels like to be like, yeah. uh, maybe to be better if I wasn't like that sort of intro to self-sabotage there, you know? It, it, exactly. And if you let it eat you alive and you don't find the, the balance of you first, of who you are first before that results, it does. Cause you were probably relieved when that did happen. If that yeah, ever it's happened, over, it's, it's over. over. Okay. You knew it was coming. That was fun. Let's get back to work. You know? Yeah, totally. So Jeremy's biggest, breakthrough was his understanding that he stands for so much more than the game of basketball hmm. or what other people think of him on the court and he really went in depth on standing up for his faith in Jesus standing for his his Taiwanese people and making that his mission and basketball being the vehicle the platform that would allow him to be able to speak to these people and change those type of people's lives so that was a massive breakthrough. And that comes through with the understanding of who. So the confidence is the who. So once you know who you are, it's, okay, where's your team? Where are the people around you? You're only able to get to the highest height of your potential if you go with others. And this is the where. So I call this the cooperation. Now we all have God-given strengths and our strengths are different than others. A lot of the time we are told, hey, your weakness is this. You point out your weakness. Society points out our weakness and wants us to improve these weaknesses. Weaknesses are just another term for a compliments wish list. You pair yourself up with other people, with other people on your team who are, one, going to support you, but also challenge you. Those are the best people to be around that will support and challenge you with different strengths, like the 98 Bulls. Now you're saying you didn't watch a whole lot of games, but you probably know who I Michael watched Jordan. those ones, man. I, I, yeah. I grew up in Seattle, so I remember those games vividly. Oh, was that 96 wow. or 98 that they had the 96? Yep, yeah, I, I remember Jordan. that. Yeah, I know. I remember those games. So, I mean, think about it you got Jordan, the best scorer, Pippen, the best sidekick, Kerr, the best shooter, Dennis Rodman, the best crazy man, where you don't know if he's going to get kicked out of the game or not, what color hair he's going to show up with. Yeah. He had these different pieces of strengths put together to make this ultimate team. So that's who you need to surround yourself with. That's the cooperation. Where is your team? The greatest ones, they understand this. So after you know who you are, you know where your team is, the question is, well, what are you doing? And if the answer to that question is you're doing it for your own gain, for financial benefits, for followers, it will always run dry. You will be miserable. You'll be the richest man there is, but on their deathbed and saying you regret your life. Mm -hmm. So the what is about service. And I know people say serve, 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 but this is true, genuine service. It's not just going down to the local food bank, but it's giving your time and energy when it's not necessarily convenient for you. 
Hard to do, easy to say, very hard to do. I'm a work in progress on that for sure. But because people need us, we don't know when they're going to need us. And we're always on, I know I'm at least on my calendar, color corded Google calendar. I got this Zoom call here, this or this or this. But when someone needs us, are you going to be there to serve? And I have a story that I can get into of how I met Mark Cuban through living in this service mode. So when I was coaching with the Nets, we were playing Dallas and I love being the first person on the floor. It's kind of like my time to myself, the whole ambiance of the arena. And this time there's another guy on the other side of the court. He was shooting hoops and just normal looking guy, jeans and old braggedy shoes, bricking shots left and right. I walk by him to get to my side of the floor and he just turns and says, you know, the older you get, the legs go. And being a shooting coach, I know that's not true. Like, I can't let that stuff slide. I got to counteract that. You want to be like, yeah, I hear you, but it's just inaccurate. So it tugs at you. I like it. Exactly. So I say, hey, you know, the older you get, the, or sorry, that's what he said. I said, you know, it's not all about the legs. It's about how you generate the power, the momentum. And he was very intrigued. Now, I didn't want to give this random stranger a 20 minute lesson, but three weeks prior, a good friend of mine had challenged me to live in the service mode. If I could help somebody, I would actively help them. And I had this gift to help people shoot it. So I showed him a few things. He was getting more range on a shot. He was making more shots. He was excited. He was eating it up. And now the real players had to come on and warm up for the game. So we had to get off. And I just said, hey, if you want more drills, I'm more than happy to send some to you. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's Here's my card. Here's my email. Hands it to me. I put it in my pocket. I'm on my way. So I can get about two to three minutes before the game just to myself behind the bench. And right before tip off, I'm curious. I'm like, okay, well, who was this person I was just helping? And setting the stage here, as we already know, it's Mark Cuban because I said that, but this is before Shark Tank was huge, before. And this is like, my wife's an actor and a producer. So out here in LA, I, like we see people who are famous. I have no idea who they are. I don't really know. So I didn't know who this was. So, but What, what year is this? Yeah, what year is this? would have been 2017 I, I like that he didn't have nice shoes on it's like hey man you might not have known him but there's no excuse to not have clean kicks on that floor you know <laughs> well this is him you know how he yeah. just dresses wait i'm gonna wear a t-shirt and jeans and, and that's who i am so i pull out the card and it says mark cuban owner of the dallas mavericks and i was like oh my gosh i've just been har- helping mark cuban harness his inner power for something he was passionate about he loves basketball so I email him the next day just saying, hey, you know, just thank you. Here's him those stuff. drills, Mr. Cuban, right? Yeah. And he emails me back two minutes later. I'm like, doesn't this guy have like 300 companies he's running? Wow. But since then, I mean, I've, I'm able to email him and ask him questions if I ever have any advice that I need. And You know what, though? That's what such like that? a cool thing because like the fact that you could connect with someone on their passions, right? Like. Because you think about someone that's as busy as Mark Cuban is. First of all, it's an amazing story. That's like the fact that you get that in like your life book of stories is freaking awesome, right? But the uh, when you connect with people on things that they're passionate about versus stuff that you need. For example, like everybody, I bet you have a million like text messages and emails coming through right now. That's the life, whatever. But I have this guy. So um, I have this like this custom 1967 Volkswagen Beetle and I love it. It's like, like, you know, it was a gift given to me by some of my closest friends. It just, I just love it. And, uh, I don't always respond quickly to my phone, my texts, my emails, but 
whenever Declan Carter at Rad Rides, shout out, he's doing this custom project for my Beetle right now. When he texts me, I hit him right back because I'm really passionate about it and I like it. And so if you can get in on that level with somebody, it's not like you're friends with Mark Cuban because he's Mark Cuban. It's your two guys that love basketball. And that's actually a better bond. Like that's the right way to do it. You just said life doesn't give you those opportunities or you're not in a position to focus on servant leadership and take it. You know, the fact that you were there in the right frame of mind, right place at the right time, right? Like imagine had you just hustled and bustled past him and everyone's like, do you see Mark Cuban out there? You would have been like, Oh, I'm an idiot. You know? Yeah, exactly. And the biggest thing about this, this, this whole section of it is that you serve, you have that mentality, no matter who it is, you, you serve, just because you have this this ability to serve and i mean when people serve it makes you feel better anyways and it opens up amazing doors that would never be open for you if you're only going your own in in your own lane that you have to just get this 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 done so i give people the tool of their hands look at you have your hands with you at all time every time you open a door to enter a room or even flip open your computer to jump on Zoom, just just simply look at your hands and say the word serve. It's just a trigger reminder hmm. that when you walk in this room, you're gonna serve the people in this room. It's not about you. You don't have to stress about who can I connect with? Who can I get, who can I, because I hate when people have a conversation and they're looking around you. Who's in this room? Who, yeah. Serve. God's gonna put the right people in there for you. And it takes so much pressure off you. Like literally when you walk into a room thinking it's not about you, it's about the people in the room and there's no longer pressure. Like I think about that when I step on stage to speak, like how can I serve these people? Because at the end of the day, like even if they don't like me or I fall flat on my face or I forget my life, whatever it is, like I know I'm okay. Like I've got God, I've got my smoking hot wife, I'm fine. How can I serve these people there's, in this room? Yeah, there's even energy when you say it, like even like picturing the visual of like saying serve, like. You could feel like even though, you know, we're a few hundred miles away from each other, like the tone of that feels right. You know what I mean? Have you have you heard um have you heard Jewel's podcast that she did with Joe Rogan? No. I Dude. would love to. Wow. Dude. Okay. You okay. it's Joe says it's the best podcast he's ever done. You're yeah. talking Jewel like these Jewel hands. the singer. Yes. Um, but but know. what you just wow. said, you guys are like kindred spirits because not I don't know either of them, but first of all, it is for anybody listening. You need to listen to the jewel podcast on, or on Joe Rogan experience because and it's like four hours long. Just like dice it up amongst like your next runs or drives or whatever. But it's like a four hour, like, like book on tape. And it is the wildest story you have ever heard in your life. But, um, wow. the reason I bring it up is she does like that song, like my hands, it, uh-huh what you just said is like that that's what she describes. Like she's had this crazy life, but she said that she would often look at her hands and think, um, you know, she, at one point in the podcast, she was talking about her awareness that she, of the risk of becoming a statistic, uh, you know, broken family, victim of abuse by her father ended up being homeless. I don't want to just spoil it because it is a wild story, but she never went down the path of like shoplifting or using her hands to hurt people. Cause she kept looking at them like, kind of like your hammer, like these can build and these can destroy. And so she would just look at these and say, where have my hands been? Like, where have my hands been? And it's kind of one of those things where she was like, keep your hands on the right side, doing the right things. Don't let your hands shoplift, let your hands shake hands and build music and build people up. But dude, it's, it's crazy that you said that. Cause I thought for sure you would have heard that podcast. Oh my gosh, I need, I will definitely listen to that. I mean, me and Jewel are kindred spirits other than she's got an incredible voice and she has a best-selling song called Hands, but other than that, we're the same. You're the same, man. You are the same. 
Well, that's really cool. That's really cool. I, it, yeah, just you, you actually do operate like uh, from listening to her and listening to you like a similar like conscious frequency. It's it's that's pretty cool. cool. Um, you've mentioned a couple times. Um, well, actually, I want to talk about servant leadership for one more second because I love the the stories that I hear from professional sports. Um, I was living in Minnesota, and um, I'm gonna. I think his name is it's Mark something big white dude that played for the Lakers. He was a silly guy, but like Shaq was his homie. You know who I'm talking about? Mark Eaton? Would it be Mark Eaton? I no. think it, I can't remember. Maybe. Something like that. Anyways. Okay. But I'd, I'd heard this story that like, you know, he had showed up to his first day at the Lakers and he was driving like his mom's minivan and Shaq took him out and bought him like clothes and a car just cause he's Shaq and he could do that. But what, what examples of servant leadership have you seen amongst player leaders. Like I've, you know, I've watched the last dance, which back to the Seattle thing. It's funny because like I was watching it, like the bulls on the Sonic side. And then to hear Michael say the glove, what did he say? Like, I wasn't worried about the glove. <laughs> the glove didn't cause me any problems or what just cut him down to nothing. Um, but what examples do you see of, of like, of like players that are, that take that extra servant leadership role to make their team work that maybe don't have the role of coach, but, but employ servant leadership. Phenomenal question. I'm going to give you the best book to read on this and you will enjoy this. It's called the captains or a captain's class. I'm writing it down. Right Sam now. Walker. And he goes in depth on what made the best leaders in sports. And you would think it'd be like the Michael Jordans. You think it'd be like those guys, but it's not, it's the Tim Duncans. It's mm. these, these guys who all will mop up the floor. They're not going to be big in the media. They're going to have a little grit behind them. They're going to stand up for their teammates and fight when they need to. It's not the Derek Jeters. Now, those guys are great, but the best type of servant leaders are the ones who will go through it and the ones who don't want all the fingers pointed at them or the accolades to them, but they'll give it to their team. So read that book. Phenomenal read. One story personal story that i saw firsthand my uncle coaches the toronto raptors and they won the nba championship 2019 so i was there with them in golden state when they beat golden state we're celebrating in the locker room and it's like man popping champagne all the whole all of that for a couple hours and then a guy walks into the locker room with sweats on pushing a stroller with his wife and it's steph curry and curry's they just lost the championship. This was going to be like a two-peat or three-peat. It was something like real dynasty. Now he won it again this year, so no big deal. But he goes around and he shakes everybody's hand and congratulates them. So not only did he congratulate Oof. the team that beat him, but he also gave them the time to celebrate. And it was incredible. Like It was like this dude is a true servant. Now, I know it wasn't to his team, but it was also something done by one of the best players in the NBA that nobody else saw. It never got in the media. It never had any. It's just who he was. So being around those type of people firsthand and seeing, okay, like the character of like I can see why these teams are great because their character is extremely genuine. I love that. It actually might mean more that it wasn't his team because you like he still has a role on his team. He's still a superstar of his team, but did not have to do that. You see it in the UFC sometimes, like these guys will get into like these like most like intense, like I get wrapped up in the Conor McGregor craze whenever he's fighting, you know? And um, it's funny because he'll do his press and he'll like, he'll, he'll sell the show, but he always says he's humble in victory and defeat. 
And he actually, it, like, I've seen him hug people that he's been, like, ripping apart in the media or, like, yeah. stand next to him and say, hey, you need to give it up for this guy because he is a warrior. And, I, dude, I love stories like that where it's, like, we're all competitive and we all want to win at our game. But when you can step back and say, hey, you were, you, that was a fight and I respect you. And, and, you know, to Steph's credit, someday he might play with those guys, right? That's very likely that at some point, I mean, the NBA is not that big of a world, I'd imagine, it's likely they'll run into each other either on the court or in the same locker room at some point, you know, like it, it's never a yeah. disservice to, to kind of like be human, you know? Yeah. But it's to your Conor McGregor point. He just, he loves competition. It's not the person on the other end that he hates. Yeah. He's just trying to be the best that he can possibly be. And I think that's, that's a great lesson, man. Now that you point that out, that's yeah, I see that. That's cool. Do you see in your um, in your coaching? So the primary skill is shooting. Although you, you, I know you work on on mindset and development and helping them learn how to think. Um, we actually just had Tim Grover come talk to us, and it was I appreciate this conversation because it's a very different tone. You know what I mean? Like Tim, so he's so intense, but like I I, love I'm such him. He's a great dude. Yeah, I, I'm such a fan of like the ability to like help people think differently. You both do that like in your own different ways, but when you work with um i mean you've worked with 150 different athletes is that right and it was something like over three billion dollars in contract value that you've been a part i mean massive industry massive business massive performance do you find commonalities and similarities like is there a certain thing is there certain things that are that are characteristic of nba players that you see when you start working with them or is everybody kind of a mixed bag and they're all different Man, phenomenal question. So yes and no. And in those answers, no being they're all a little bit different. It's just it, it is all predicated on their upbringing. Like mm. you can really see I've been blessed to be able to work with players from college to the transition to the pros and see them go from nobody knows who they are, no money, no followers to millions of followers, some of the biggest names in the NBA and see how they deal with it. And all of it comes back to how they were raised, whether they're going to be the same person. I'm working with a guy right now who's the number four pick in the NBA draft, and he's just a phenomenal human being because of his parents. He's not gonna change, he doesn't change one bit at all. But so, yeah, it, they're different, but also they're similar. And being able to work with all these players, being blessed to work with all of them, like. First off, it's it's all them, like the $3.2 billion in contract earnings. Sure, I wish I was an agent and I got a percentage of that, but yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be right because it's all them. And there's similarities in seeing what drives success. And of the players that I've worked with, they've, they've been in 28 all-star appearances. The three things that stand out, one, they obviously have talent, but they know what that talent is. They know what their strengths are and they focus on their strengths. Two, they have an insatiable drive. And within the first five minutes of working with a player, I can tell you if they have that potential to be an all-star, because I call it the, the difference in, do I have to drag them to the gym or do they drag me to the gym? Yeah. And it's how I know. Like I a, a, was with a player, the first workout with him, Shay Alexander, he's, he's going to be an all-star. He's one of the top 15 players in the league now. And I remember after just a killer first workout, we always try to crush him at the start. Literally afterwards, he said, okay, when are we going tonight? I was like, oh God, this guy's different. 
And he's turned out to be different. So that insatiable drive, how bad do they want it? And then are they relentlessly consistent when the lights aren't on? Hmm. Like during these workouts, are they going to be the same person? Like, are they giving everything that they have? Are they consistent with it? No matter what, how are they showing up every single day for themselves or teammates? So having talent, knowing what their strength zone is, having the insatiable drive, and then being relentlessly consistent in who they are in their approach. Like that, those three aspects, those are the similarities that I see drive success. Now each player is individually different on their own, but also in that too, each player is very similar at the end of the day. They are a human being. They have flaws, they have worries, they have anxieties, they're not superheroes, and they want people that will treat them like people and care for them, not just take from them. They get so many people that want to take from them, but who's going to be someone like what, why they resonate with me and and come to work with me is I'm not going to just be their yes man. I'm going to tell them when they're doing great, I'll let them know if they're, I'll encourage them. But if they're not like, like I'm also going to call them out on it too. So the similarities, differences for sure in uh, both realms. You talk a lot about confidence, and I think a lot of it comes down to what you're talking about right now. Like uh, someone that's truly confident, they don't want you giving them accolades if they haven't earned it, right? Like the true confident people are like, hey, if I'm sucking, tell me I suck. And if I'm doing good, then I'll keep going that direction, right? So you've mentioned it a couple of times today. I've I've heard it in some of your content, but let's talk about true confidence and where that actually comes from. Because, you know, I don't know how much you know about our world and the the show that you're on, but uh, we're electric people. So we're primarily like, this is a Sunrun sponsored podcast. So Sunrun's the largest solar provider in the country. And and the division of Mm -hmm. athletes that I work with, we actually call them athletes. We have a Nike sponsorship that does all of our apparel. Uh, We have leagues and we have coaches and we have teams they all have their own brand and we recruit across the country and we compete against each other. And it's oh, yeah. kind of like, it's kind of like people that are athletes in their brain and with their mouth, not with their body like me. Um, yeah. and so one of the things that's interesting is it's door to door sales. These guys deal with more rejection in a day or a week than most people really deal with in their lives, especially now, right? Like you have to, you have to get either the, the, the sale happens or you get rejected, right? And in, in a world where, you know, my, I have a 12 year old son who's starting to talk to girls and stuff. And I just tell him like, I used to have to call these little girls and like their dads would answer the phone and I would have to talk, right? Like there's so many kids, like they don't deal with rejection in the same way now. And so this piece on confidence I wanted to hit because it really will be applicable to our version of athletes on how you foster not arrogance, not flamboyance, but true confidence. So if, if I can just get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so good. And no, I definitely know what to do. And that's that's an amazing business and just whole realm that you guys are in. Solar is like killing it and phenomenal. So yeah, and door-to-door sales, like if I was going to hire anybody, it'd be somebody who has failed many, many times in being a door-to-door salesman because it is how do you deal with rejection? And the, the true confidence comes from First, like we discussed with the, the self-awareness of knowing that you stand for you. I, t- I call it the system plus process equals results. You almost have to become so robotic in that sense of results are going to happen only if you pour into your system, knowing who you are and your process. What are your daily habits? If you set up your success habits, if you're getting up in the morning, 
if you're working out, if you're taking care of your mind and your body, if you're doing this, the results are going to come. They don't always come exactly how you want them to come. But if you focus on the system, the process, you can, it, it equals results. This, this takes a lot of that pressure off you, too, that you have to perform. I also like to tell players, like, the game has already been won. You have a lot more confidence when you know you've already won, or especially with free throws. This is really important. When you know you've already made a free throw, made both free throws, you don't step to the line being as nervous anymore. And then every type of negative thing, there's a positive side to it. You have to first, though, I'm not saying you put on a positive band-aid of things. You have to accept the negatives. You have to be aware of them. You have to appreciate them for what they are. But then you can spin it to the positive. So, for example, if it's a, a basketball player and I'll ask them, well, when was your last shooting slump? A shooting slump is when you went through a terrible time of shooting, you couldn't make any shots, and they'll tell me, and they'll see the body language crumble. They'll be like, you know, I just couldn't make a shot for six games. And, and then I'll say, well, when was your last shooting hippopotamus? And they'll be like, what? Well, what are you talking about? Hipp but what that is is just changing a word. Nobody said that slump had to actually mean something. It's just how we are mm. raised. Like yeah. these, these words have certain connotations that are ingrained in us, but you can literally create your own words. Like, failure. What does that really mean? Like, is it actually, is it the end of the world or is it the best way to learn and grow and how to teach somebody else along the way? What does rich life mean? Does it mean you have a massive bank account or you literally have this amazing life rhythm with the people that you love? Hmm. You make your own defining. So being able to have this understanding that like confidence is such a big thing with, with self-awareness at the core. There's different tools like the personal highlight reel, comparison comparing yourself with somebody that has been there before is a good thing not comparison in the sense that it's going to like you're envious of them because like it's great like i'll look at people like if we keep using tony robbins as an example like all right he's already put, he's put in 40 years there so i can't expect to be at the level that he is i'm not going to envy his success because i haven't put in the work that he has but I can also see the road that he's paved and follow similar footsteps towards that. Sure. You gain a lot of confidence from that. And then the biggest tool that I do, and I give it to, to kids, to adults, to NBA players, is literally a daily tally. And it's just at the end of each day, you make a tally. Keep it at the same spot. Make a tally. If you've done something, which you probably have to improve a little bit, just, just the slightest amount, make a tally. Make a tally because you get a lot of confidence through the preparation. That's why the 10,000 hours are so important. Yes. That's why the confidence through preparation is the most powerful aspect there is. And then when you look back 100 days from now and you've got 100 tallies, yeah, you're gonna be pretty confident because our minds will forget. They'll, it, it, they'll forget things. Like if you think about what you did 30 days ago, you have no idea. But if you make tallies on it, that'll be a reminder, a trigger like, okay, I prepared, I prepared, I'm ready for this. I believe uh, people that listen to this will roll their eyes because I say it at least five times an episode, but I believe that confidence is a collection of personal victories. And it could yeah. be the personal victory of like, okay, I did go to the gym 41 days in a row. I am a type of person that goes to the gym. And there's the evidence, right? Um, you hit on something that caused a lot of thoughts in my brain um, on words and like defining words. And, you know, the US military does a lot with this. Like, because they have to be so like they're in these like crazy situations. And so they have to make sure the words they're using 
are the right words so that there's clarity and all that kind of stuff. But I love the idea of defining what certain words mean. So I work closely with my, my younger brother. We've been business partners for a long time. And he sent me this text just yesterday. You'll like this. And he said, hey, why does exploit have such a terrible connotation? It's a great word. And I was like, that's like the kind of text I get from my little brother where it's like, you look at the definition and it's a great, but here's one of my other favorite words that I like, I use in my like own like mantras and and incantations and stuff is the word violence. Now violence, especially today, it sounds so like, if you look at it wrong, it's like violence. Oh, there's violence in the Middle East, but that's not what violence means actually. And so one of my favorite quotes is by Clive Barker, and he says, be regular and orderly in your life that you may be violent and original in your work. How good is that? Like, so violence, violence means, hey, I'm not showing up to practice, to run some drills. I'm here to, to, to assist you in a breakthrough. We are going to shake them to their core. And like, I think when, 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 you know, like if you look at like a Navy SEAL mantra, like they say, like, you know, they, they stand to do efficient violence, which sounds through society's filter bad, but really what they do is restore life, right? They, they give hope, they, they, they release from oppression, but it takes a certain level of violence. And so if you can meet your work with violence, especially through routine, which is where I want to go with you. Cause I know you're a routine guy. There's so much power in that. It, just in redefining that word, you know? And that's, be- that, that's beautiful. I love, I love that. And it's, that's the same thing I do with obsession. Yeah. You know what people are like, you know, a balance, you know, work-life balance, 80, 20. You know, I think that's a bunch of BS. Be obsessed, be all in. I don't want to be 80, 20 loving my wife. I don't want to be 80, 20 on the yeah. mission I'm on. Be obsessed. So man, yeah, be violently obsessed. Yeah. Because why not? Right? Like you really, and you back to your blip. Have you seen the, um, it's either an essay or a YouTube video on the pale blue dot. Have you seen the pale blue dot video? I haven't. You're going to, we got a bunch of stuff to text each other after this, but, uh, it basically talks about, you know, when you were saying before, like, you don't know your great, your great grandfather's name and all that kind of stuff. Although I'll bet you your great grandfather was a lot of the reason that you are the way you are today. It just, it right. That, that like travels through generations, but it talks about how it gives comparison to how small earth is in the grand scheme of things. And like the infinite vastness that is all existing matter. And it's like, it's essentially like almost like a stoic mentality, which you have a lot of where it's like on this pale blue dot, people have, they've, 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 they've fought for power. They fought, they've spilled blood. They've done all this thing for a blip of time on the pale blue dot. Like look around and be grateful and be happy because it's a short ride. And what seems so significant is not all that, that significant. I need to text it to you because it's good. Please do. That's good. That's good. Um, let's talk about routines because, uh, that's something that, that we always struggle with in, in, in any kind of performance industry is, and I've actually had a few people lately say, how do you fit it all in? So talk to me about your opinion on routine and any specifics that you want to share, any things that help you uh, with your routine. I'd just be interested to know. Totally, man. I love routines, but once again, it's, it's a double-edged sword. If you make your routines something that if you miss them, it throws off your entire day, then you're losing the whole battle and you die the death to routines and habits. But I'm really big on, I mean, a lot of people are on the mornings. I guess it's the time that it's quiet and it's the time that that I get to spend before the craziness gets going. I don't check my phone the first 40 minutes before. The first 40 minutes of my day are to myself. Unless I'm on the road and I know my wife needs to get a hold of me. I start with an ice cold shower, three minute ice cold shower. 
you know, there's there's benefits with the cold thermogenesis, of course, but I do it more for the mind. Hey, I but you're from California. And how much harder is the cold showers? Like I do that too. And when I come to Utah, it is the real deal in Utah. <laughs> Cal, dude, no. you live in LA. So your water's like 65 degrees, which is chilly, dude, but. It's bad because I wanted that Utah thing. I'm from Iowa. I've, yeah. lost, I've lost all of my toughness. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's I, the real deal. Yeah. So yeah, I do that more for the mind. I call it mental dictatorship. It's a, uh, it's a thing that I've, in Pivot and Go, I, I write about it where I went around with my NBA players and I brought a stopwatch. And anytime it seemed like they didn't want to start a workout, I'd hit, hit the button. And it took about, on average, 17 seconds for them to get through that. That was the number that usually kept coming back on average. So it told me that it only takes 17 seconds or something I don't want to do for my mind to actually get through it. So I start my day with that. I'm not a, like eat the frog doesn't make sense to me because why would I want to do something that has no benefit for me? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't sound frog. I don't mm-hmm. know if I like frog legs or not, but the cold yeah. thermogenesis does. Yeah. So I go upstairs and I make coffee. Make I, I love coffee. I'm, I'm really big on starting your morning off with something you're excited about. I wake up excited for that coffee. I've got some praise and worship music going on, just really light. I want to just ease into my day. I don't want to check my phone during that time. I don't want, I don't need those notifications coming in. I'll get to that. Make my pour over coffee, spend five minutes overlooking the, I've got the whole window overlooking the ocean. The, the one door closes four open beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. So <clears throat> first five minutes, just spent like quiet, just listening to God. And a lot of the time it's me just trying to not, uh, you know, think about whatever I'm eating for dinner that night, but just trying to spend it, mm-hmm. spend it that time actively listening. I'll read a, a devotional or something from the Bible, something, a journal, write my, my joys from the day before, my prayers, um, what time I'm looking forward to, what I'm excited about. That all takes about 15 minutes. So overall, it's about 30, 35 minutes. And then I'll usually go into my workout because it, it just like after my workouts, my sweet zone where my mind's just on fire. I can write, I can create, um, I can do all my just highly productive work in the mornings right then. So what time yeah, are you up? Uh, you know what? It varies. If it was my choice, I'd be up at five every day, but my wife is a night owl. Mm. So we stay up a little bit later than I'd like to. So I usually get up about six, six thirty. Yeah. Just varies. Do you guys have kids? Uh, not yet. Not yet, but I know life will change in that aspect. I'm going to check in with you after I have six kids. So when, when, when life changes for you, I'm going to, I'm going to check how peaceful those mornings are (laughs) when you're, when you're writing your prayers and just enjoying your coffee. You're like, who got gum on the couch? Where did like, how is there a footprint on the ceiling? (laughs) Like, yeah, I love it. No, I know it'll totally change. And I know like there's no playbook for it, I'm sure, but with six kids and, looking so smooth and calm and, and fluid like you do, whatever you're doing for your playbook, I'd like to know. Honestly, it's very similar, right? Like you'll, it's, it's not, you find the time to have your quiet, right? Like that's what you're doing, right? Cause life is crazy for everybody. It doesn't matter. Like your life is crazy and my life is crazy and Andrew's life is crazy. It's just, it, life is crazy. But I think the cool thing that, that, that I was kind of looking for is 
how do you like the fact that you start your day present? It's hard to not check your phone first thing, man. I had this text thread of people that we did this for a while. We called ourselves the untethered souls. And it was like, it was a streak to hold each other accountable where you charged in the other room. And I did it, you know, for a month or something. And it was freaking awesome. And then you fall out of the habit. But what I'm hearing is wake up and like, look forward to something like, it doesn't have to all be depravity, like your cold shower. All right. There's your mental thing, but then you can do stuff you like. You can get quiet, but then, then dude, back to violence. You can meet the day with violence. If you, if you're solid, then it's like, bring it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're excited about it. You know, you wake up excited for what you're going to attack that day, what you're going to build. And I, I love what you say there. Like I have a big three that I do the night before. It's a, it's a, it's an assessment at the end of the day where I'll say, okay, my big three, did I get to these things? Did I move the needle, like my big three buckets? Did I do something in that? All right, well, okay, now here's what I need to do tomorrow. So I don't want to wake up like after my time, after my workout, think like, well, what do I do? I mean, a lot of people don't necessarily get that luxury of doing that, but I want to make sure like, okay, I know if I'm pouring planting seed or plant plant seeds and pouring water on this, this, and this, I know eventually it's going to grow and it's going to blossom. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, it, it's, it's a weird, like you definitely speak the language. It's, it's, it's odd, but you know, I, I understand it cause we're in a hundred percent commission space. Like we literally are, it's very entrepreneurial. And so it's like finding there's not really, there's, there's suggestions. Like I know you had Hal Enrod on your podcast. He's obviously a big morning guy, former door to door seller as well. Uh, oh, yeah. but like no. there's, I like to associate with like-minded people because, you got to take the principle of what works for you and then figure out what works for me. My wife is a night owl too. I'm an early riser. She's, she has a harder time in the morning. She also gets up with a baby every two hours. So it's like, but I can still take these things and say, okay, here's the principle. Let me modify that. And it's always consistent with morning routines is generally like have some sort of mindfulness, you know, prayers, journal, gratitude, meditation, something like that. Right. Get a workout in, generally some form of working out, whether you're surfing, mountain biking, lifting weights, whatever, and then having a plan for the day. Honestly, man, like who wouldn't be successful over time with that? You know, man, it's easy. That's the thing. Like all these formulas and stuff, these breakthrough formulas, the morning routines, like that the formula is not hard. It's not difficult. The execution, that's the difficult part. Mm -hmm. That's where people get caught up. We had a thing. I, I want to ask you about your relationship because I just in barely talking to you a little bit, you, you seem to have a healthy relationship. So if you don't, good job. It looks to the rest of the world like you do. And if you do, then I want to hear from you. <laughs> uh, but the um, I did this thing with my wife once where it was all from a from like a really good place where I was like, hey, life is getting crazy. There's so much that we're managing that I'm managing that you're managing with all these other humans that are attached to us. Let's do like a Sunday sink. So it was like a good idea. Like let's get together. And I wanted to like, and so then I made this Google document, which is like the dorkiest thing to do in a relationship is make a Google document. But I did. And I was like, okay, so then what would be like the, what will be like the subjects of our Sunday sink? And so I was like, oh, well let's like share something like, let's have like a little devotional piece where let's share something like good relationship advice. And then let's look at our schedules and let's look at the budget. And then by the end of this thing, I had a freaking work meeting and we did it two or three weeks. And I was like, this is way overdone. This is, it, it, it turned into one of these things that we dreaded. And so now what we do is on Sunday, after we put the kids down, we pull out our calendars and say, what do you got going on this week? This is what I got going on. And it works. We found it. Like there's definitely like a need to relentlessly cut away or else you over systematize right totally man 
totally. We've done something like that in the same thing. Now it's just what are our calendars. So, yes, I have an amazing, amazing marriage. And I could go on and on about my wife. She is way cooler than me. I am just like blown away daily by her beauty on the outside and the inside. And like just, yeah, I mean, in every aspect. But some of the things that we've done, I'll give a couple uh, tools that have really helped us is, is we always, we keep honeymooning. Like there's, the, the, no one ever said there can only be one honeymoon. So we make sure every six months we'll do some kind of trip. It doesn't have to be a crazy oh, that's a big great trip, idea. That's a great but idea. But it's some kind of trip where we get away and we call it a honeymoon. We celebrate everything. Man, every, the 28th of every month, we met on November 28th. So we celebrate the 28th of every month. The 23rd, June 23rd was our wedding. So we celebrate the 23rd of our, like, I know the month, the year in the month from when I met her. Like we celebrate like that. Mm-hmm. And we know each other's love languages. That is one of the biggest things you have to read the book, Love Languages, if you haven't, to know what fills your wife's love tank. We'll ask each other, hey, is your love tank full? Sounds cheesy, but it's really helpful. We also Mm -hmm. know our conflict language. No one talks about conflict language. How do you deal with conflict? I kind of suppress it. She'll say it right from the get go, but I suppress it. So we ask each other, like, how's your conflict doing? Because there's going to be those times. Mm -hmm. And we, we never, ever, ever say the word divorce, separation. Those words do not exist, will never be said in our household. Because why even joke about them? Why even bring those things into a relationship or even speak them? So those never, ever exist. And man, like, honestly, we just have a ton of fun. Like just being around my wife, like I could be around her 24 seven, like literally, we just have a ton of fun together. And we support each other in all our endeavors. I love the, uh, I love those things. You have to, in order to be successful in your, in your life or in your job, you have to be successful in your life. Like eventually those things, right? Like if you have a a, a terrible relationship at home, eventually that's going to cross the river into your work. Right. So I love the idea of, uh, keep honeymooning. Like, again, I, I just never thought about that, but that sounds fun. I love the idea of just celebrating everything. My wife is really good at that. And I tend to be the one that gets in execution mode and doesn't like come up for a second to be like, Oh yeah, it has been this long since we met. That's cool. Here's a little cookie, like whatever, you know what I mean? That's, that's a great idea, but I can tell you're excited and passionate about it and that it fuels you. Um, so a couple rapid fire questions before we close out. You good with that? I find that a lot of times our guests like to know about you as much as they like to know what you know. You good with that? Yeah, I love rapid fire. I love it. All right, let's do it. Uh, so most recent song you listened to, gotta be honest, gotta be honest. Oh yes. Andrea Bocelli. His song. You're just going for it. Oh bro, bro, bro. I have a whole Andrea Bocelli. I didn't know who this guy was took my wife there for our anniversary to the Hollywood Bowl. And like, he's the best concert ever. It's all Italian. Like it's Italian wow. opera. I didn't even know Italian opera existed. Listen to Andrea Bocelli, Voice of an Angel. Crazy. All right. I will do it. What's the last documentary you watched? Uh, the 12 Mountains, The 12 Peaks. Oh, I haven't seen Tom that one yet. I just, watched, I just watched The Alpinist. Have you seen that one? So good, yeah. I'm oh, just insane. I don't even, I would never even go mountain climbing like that, but I just love those documentaries. They're nuts. They're crazy. Have you seen um, Bad Sport, the documentary Bad Sport? Yeah. yeah I was going to ask you earlier if you knew who, uh, what's his name? The the basketball player, Hedick. What's his name? Stefan Smith. No, I don't know. I remember when that story happened though. You I remembered remember. it though back in the day. Yeah. I'd never heard of it yeah. until I watched that documentary. Heartbreaking. Because it, 
in AAU basketball, when we had to play in Las Vegas, they'd take us every every single team and they'd go through his story. It's like, well, here's what you can't do. Oh, man. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Uh, who's your Great. favorite actor? My wife. Easy answer. Easy, easy answer. answer. What can we see your wife in? What can we see your wife in? You can see her in, she's in a show called The Fix. It was uh-huh. uh, on ABC. She's been in um, Law and Orders. She's been, she had a little cameo in Modern Family. She's been in uh, um, a lot of faith-based movies. Cool. Just like her, Taylor Kalupa is her, is her Taylor name. Taylor Kalupa. All right. Uh, yep. What's a food? What's a food you hate? Ooh, food that I hate. There's not a whole lot of them, but um, let me give you a good answer here. Food Dude, I aspire to be more like you. I have a long list of foods that I hate. I don't like that I have it, but I do have it. Dude, I don't even know if there's actually like a really food that I really hate. Radishes? Yes, radishes? I don't know. I'm not going to seek out radishes. I not seeking like them out and hating them is different. Like if if I like if you put mayo on my breakfast sandwich, it's it's uh, you will see a full grown man act like a child. It is not happening. Yeah, I'm not seeking it out, but like if you did it, I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll eat it. All right, and cool. Not a whole lot. Uh, who's your favorite podcast slash podcaster? Whew. Who's the best? Uh, no, nope, don't say that. Ed Milet. Ed Milet's a good friend of mine, and I think he is phenomenal i think yeah you actually have a similar format to him yeah like he'll do he'll do those little power episodes like those little like 15 to 30 minute episodes like you do and they're always so good i actually like when ed speaks sometimes as much as when he interviews people you know oh yeah dude and even like when in in person i didn't know he was that deep and that that like super wise like conversations i've had with him in person you, you see it everything that you see in the podcast and all that but he's much 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 deeper so, yeah, yeah I don't know him, but he works out at the gym by my house. I'll introduce you. I so we're talking about Vivin earlier. Me and him went and spoke. I got him to speak at the two events with Vivin that I spoke at. So we both. Oh spoke. yeah, we'd love that. We've we've had him on our list of people to come speak to us. We do a lot of speaking engagements. So I love these things because it it you know we'd love to have you out at our group too. Um, oh. All right, what's one of your guilty pleasures? Something that you shouldn't uh, love as much as you do. Oh come on, you know what it is? It is dating reality tv shows there it is dude an honest answer for sure we've seen them all man and i'll act like i don't like them but we get it like we get into them and it's just yeah it's it's terrible to admit it but i'm a sucker for them that's how i start my wife's watching the bachelor and i sit down and at first i have funny commentary and then afterwards i'm like oh crap i'm in you know yeah exactly there's like six different shows i try to only have one going a week but yeah it's bad that's great. Well, David, it's been awesome to have you on. For our guests, there's two books. There's Pivot and Go, and there's Breakthrough. Uh, there's a podcast, The Art of, with David Nurse. You do speaking engagements. You're not that hard to find online, but is there any other projects you'd like to plug before we hang up with you? Man, great question. No, I don't think so. I think everything's at the website, social media. If I'm pumping something, you'll probably know it if you're following social media, but love it. I'm very accessible. Send me a message. I'd love to hear from people and if I genuinely, I genuinely mean this, if I can help somebody through something that I've been through, send me a message, more than happy to help. I love it. Well, I'm a fan of your work and thank you so much for sharing this. And thank you guys for joining us today. This has been another episode of Electric People. 
you're listening to this and interested in joining our teams, DM us on Instagram at run the league. What are you waiting for? Run the league, shoot us a DM and let's get going.